Welcome to the Zulu Time podcast, a straight talking conversation between two watch enthusiasts about the world of military watches. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Zulu Time podcast with your host Dan from at Timely underscore moments. Right, so before we kick off uh, episode 40, um, I've got two admin points for you. Firstly, just so you're aware, um, the patches for the charity drop, which will be released on the 31st of March, are currently being made. So Carl is slaving away over his patch making machines and all that kind of stuff to bring out that drop. Um, More uh, posts in the stories on both my page and Carl's page will obviously um, happen throughout the month um, leading up to this and also we're going to release the details on which charity all the money is going to go to um, however that being said we have narrowed it down to it being a UK service charity which is quite good um, so yeah more, more to follow on that but they are being made as we speak which is always good um, I've got two shout outs as well so first shout out goes to AJ um, and Chris over at the Bellingham podcast. So they gave me a shout out in their last episode. So I'm paying back the favor. Effectively, guys, it was their fifth anniversary of existing as a podcast. Um, go check them out, follow them. Uh, if you're into the outdoors, a bit of your lifestyle, a bit of your tech kind of stuff, um, and obviously some watch related um, topics in there as well. Um, it's all the kind of stuff that I like to think that you guys would be interested in if you don't already follow them. And then the other thing that I've got to shout out is to a particular individual uh, who sent me a watch in exchange for a bottle of whiskey. Um, I now own a Pulsar chronograph, uh, which is amazing. Um, and we basically exchanged it for a nice bottle of whiskey. The watch is in uh, with me now. I had to do a battery change, which is like the most I've ever done to a watch for a very long time. Um, but it runs, it sets, it does all the stuff it's meant to do, and it's pretty cool. So I want to just shout out to the person who sent that watch in because they know who they are. And hopefully, guys, we'll start seeing photos um, from them with the new Mark II Zulu Time podcast patch as well. So there you go. Right. Episode 40 is going to continue the Zulu Time Collectors interview series. Um, I've managed to coerce um, a good friend of mine to come on to this show. Um, It's his first podcast, so we'll see how this goes. Apparently, he's a bit nervous. But anyway, without further ado, Mark. How are you getting on, mate? How are you? You well? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. good. I'm ticking over, standard, just sat around doing not a lot, waiting for anything in terms of any COVID stuff. But That's your normal life at work, isn't it? You don't really do a lot. So uh, this yeah, is true. That. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's no change for me. Um, but I like to tell my family that I'm always working really hard, hence why you know they don't get to see me very often. But we all know it's a lie. Yeah, fair one. Um, but anyway, before we get into the episode and who you are, and also talking about watches with you, yeah. what watch do you have on your wrist today? I'm wearing a uh, Sterling uh, Steel Brunt, so they've only just come out. I think we're going to talk about them later. Yeah. Uh, nice new watch. Had it a few weeks. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, nice watch. Cool. Happy days. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Sterling later on because we're going to get a little bit more in depth with this because effectively decided to bring you on to do the first audio watch review of the podcast. So not only is it your first podcast, it's also the first audio review of a watch. So I don't know how this is going to go. 
but we'll see. Well, yeah, and I'm not that qualified in watches, but yeah, I'll give you my opinion and tell you how I think about it and uh, what it's like. Yeah, good. Cool. Um, I've got a similar watch on today. Um, I've also got a military diver on it, as it, as it were. Um, I've got the Elliot Brown Holton. Um, so just a bit of a shout out to Elliot Brown. They actually squared me away last week. Um, as we know, uh, those in the watch chat that we've got that supports the uh, the podcast i had a little bit of a drama with my automatic holton that had to meant, meant that i had to go back for some unknown reason it didn't quite work for me it's probably because i'm a mong but we don't know they tested it and they came back and told me i was a mong but they have since replaced it and i've got a brand new shiny holton on my wrist so i'm enjoying that so that's what watch i've got on today um but anyway mark who are you come on yeah, hi, yeah, I'm so Mark. Um, yeah, Jana underscore watch on uh, Instagram. So probably know a lot of the uh, followers on your podcast. Um, avid watch collector, I would say. Don't really know a great I, deal about I watches. I would say you're an avid watch um, collector, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably more of a hobby than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, getting on now in the age, I suppose, I'm a bit older than you, I think, probably by, I don't know, about 10 years maybe. So uh, <laughs> uh, maybe don't know, don't know how old you are. Uh, so yeah, I've been collecting them for a long time, but uh, only really got into the bug of Instagram and posting pictures probably in the last year or so. Um, going back a bit further, probably uh, just collecting them and not really know much about Instagram and the watch family that's out there. Yeah, I mean it's quite funny actually because we met actually through work, and um, I believe we met. Well, we met through work. We went, we went on an exercise in America, and I believe you caught out the corner of your eye some absolute watch pest taking photos of his watch around various parts of California. Uh, at which promptly I was quite embarrassed, and, and until you mentioned that you actually like watches as well, and I, I believe that's where our friendship started. Probably. Yeah, I was going to say that must have been you as the pest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it was probably uh, at that stage that we met. I think we may have met at a few meetings or something like that on the exercise, but not actually joined the dots of the watch pestry if you want to call it that then uh so yes that's fair enough i yeah. guess that's the best way of saying where we met yeah there you go uh, and since then it's been it's been it's been gleaming to look at, at uh, watches with you Benny, because no one else will talk about watches with me as often as you do so it's always good um but what actually got you into watches because again i've known you since that exercise and obviously i've seen your collection grow and change but as you said, you've had watches pretty much all your life. So, you know, what was the first watch and how did you get, you get into that kind of hobby? Yeah, I think um, I think we all probably got given a, a watch as a child. And I think my first one, which I've still got, was a mechanical Timex, a little white dial on it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I say, I've still got it. It's battered and bruised, but it does still work. The movement's still sound. Um, and I think I probably got that at the age of, you know, five or six, something like that. When you start learning how to tell time, mm-hmm. uh, I am 46, so back then there probably wasn't many digital watches. So, you know, uh, 40 years back. Uh, so you've got a little uh, mechanical watch as such uh, and learn to tell the time properly rather than using a digital one. And I think from there, it probably just grew uh, as a kid. I thought I was probably quite special with that, with that at those uh, times. Um, and yeah, moved on to probably little digital watches through the years. And then, uh, as you said, we worked together uh, in the past. So, you know, I'm in the military and uh, I think that's just part and parcel of being in the military. You've got to be on time. You've got to be where you're told to be uh, when you're told to be there. So, you know, joined the military at 17. Um, been in the military near yeah, 30 odd years now, or yeah, 30 years this year. And, you know, being on time is, is probably one of the most uh, important things. You know, uh, if you're not on time, you're definitely in trouble. So uh, I've had 
numerous watches throughout the years and i guess it goes from there really yeah um in terms of the do you, do you remember what watch you joined up with or not do you know that's what? the question i, I, I always ask yeah it was probably just a i can't really remember a, a little digital one yeah. it wouldn't have been very expensive uh 17 you just you know get the cheapest one that the naffy sells uh, probably a little casio yeah. uh that everyone else has always had uh that's probably it yeah i yeah. guess and then obviously, as you stay, as you've been in the military a lot longer than I have, and probably longer than I will be in, dependent because obviously our services are, are different. Um, I'm assuming you've also had issued watches. In your yeah, I mean through the years, God, yeah, I mean I even worked in the stores at one point, probably 20 years ago, um, as a BQMS and held loads. So yeah, I mean the G10 uh, original CWC. That was out there and then into the pulsars you know numerous sort of n numbers of those uh, you know they just they last forever so uh that's the issue of what you're going to get and you can have it for 10 years and smash it galore and it's still going to work in it so uh and even when you break it it's back in the stores for a new one so yeah i've had plenty of them yeah um so in terms of watches in your current collection what do you have now? yeah i suppose my my top ones i suppose as in the ones that i probably wear the most you know we we all have loads of uh, too many to name. Uh, I think my favourite one at the minute is my uh, Bramont Broadsword, but that's probably because I'm the project lead and I think we'll talk about that later maybe. Um, I have got a Rolex Air King, which I think, you know, has a lot of negative criticism. Yeah, I think I think, it's a bit like Marmite. Yeah, I think there's a lot of hate towards yeah. the aesthetic of the current Air King. Yeah. Um, but I think it... I think it's cool because it's so different to any other Rolex that you can get. Yeah, and I think that's why I bought it. I like it because of that. And I think maybe it will be a future classic. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. They're not that easy to get. And I think it's a nice watch, nice size, very similar to the Explorer. So, uh, yeah, I like that one. Uh, I've got an Elliott Brown Holton, which is a brilliant watch. Um, I think I bought that off you, actually. Yeah, um, so, so, yeah <laughs> I, I believe you did as well. Yeah, yeah that, was, um, that was a really good uh, That was a really good buy on your part, then. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is a really good go-to work watch, actually. I wear that quite a lot of work uh, if I'm not going to cut around with something more expensive on. Um, I've got a TAG SLR, but that's really heavy. It's a limited edition uh, Mercedes SLR watch. Um, so it's it's really, really heavy. It's about 40, 45, 46 mil. Uh, a big so old it's, watch. A, it's a clock and a belt, not yeah. a watch. Yeah, definitely. You couldn't wear it in your skinny wrists. Um, it's always the skinny wrist, isn't it? Always the skinny wrist. <laughs> so yeah, I've got that. I suppose that's probably more of a, you know, a, a go-to at the weekend. Uh, and then same as everyone else, you know, the the pulsars, the G10, CWCs, uh, and as I mentioned a minute ago, the new watch is the the Sterling Brunt. So uh, yeah, I've got a list of them, but uh, they, they rotate around, and you have your favourites at mm. the different times of the year, don't you? So yeah, yeah, and and it, it, what's interesting is that everyone I interview on this podcast no matter how many watches they've got, obviously they all buy the watches because they like them, which I think yeah. is important, but they all get worn and they all get used for different things. I think that's uh, something that I found, not just with the people that I've interviewed, but obviously the people that we follow um, on social media and stuff like that, especially within our part of the watch hobby, all of these watches that you see on their pages get used. They're not just sat in a safe. And I think that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, I think that that you buy them to wear them yeah. why would you stick them in a drawer i mean like i said some of them yeah i might not have worn for six months but then i'll wear it again and fall back in love with it um i forgot to say actually yeah, i've got a sangin dark merlin as well and again that's an amazing watch and i'll wear that for weeks on end and then realize oh i've neglected a different one so mm -hmm. we'll change over but uh 
some weeks I'll wear five different watches, uh, as everyone else may do that has a collection. Uh, but every now and then there's that one that stands out. Uh, and at the minute, for me, it's the Sterling one. Yeah. I suppose it's the newest, so why newest not? one in your yeah. hot, uh, honeymoon period, yeah. aren't you? So, um, before we move on, to obviously we will talk about the Sterling, because obviously that's an element of, of your interview. Um, but, Ramon. Yeah. So, when we met, because obviously that's, that was the watch that you saw me taking a photo of, um, I, I believe, on the way into Alcatraz, which is a sentence I never thought I'd ever say in my life. But yes, anyway, um, I found out through, about Bramont through my previous unit. So obviously we had guys who, um, who were owners of various uh, special project watches and all were involved in the design. Then it weren't necessarily the project leader, but you, you can kind of see what I'm getting at in the fact that, you know, we've involved in the design. They're the very small specialist project. Uh, project you know, and they were very proud of wearing it, but the unit that I had had multiple um, projects around. So my exposure was quite immediate uh, and obviously across a various range of the watches. So I got to see a lot of their different models, lots of their different projects before I kind of developed my own project. And as we know, I'm the project leader for my project as well. So I felt I was quite lucky to have that kind of exposure, but how did you find about out about Bremont, you know, in your time, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think when I met you in the, I think it was the October, I think yeah. we were in California. It was in the summer just before that, that, uh, you know, a bit of chatting with a few mm -hmm. people and I really wanted to do a project watch. And I had a few different companies on my radar, mm -hmm. but I really wanted to go British. Okay. Um, so again, I did a little bit more research, rang Vermont, had a good chat with the girls uh, at the uh, military special projects team there who are brilliant, always really helpful, uh, full of information. and. Give you good advice they're not there for the hard sell they're there to make sure that you're comfortable in what you're going forward with as a project um it, it you know ticks all the boxes so you know i'd arranged that in the in the, maybe the june and and started the the balls rolling as it is um how did i come out about Vermont? i think it really was just a bit about research i hadn't met anyone with a special project watch um i'd seen plenty of photos and thought they were brilliant uh, and i think just the like I say the customer service which is second to none and just the attitude that they had towards helping me out uh, was outstanding. Uh, I'd rang a few companies and again, they were brilliant as well, British companies, but I don't think the overall package was as good. Um, I had tried doing a previous uh, project watch a couple of years before with a different company, okay. uh, no names, etc., cetera. Um, and that didn't really get off the ground as good. Mm -hmm. uh, they were a little bit more awkward. So I think really, uh, Vermont with the outstanding yeah. service, the way they dealt with everything, and just the, the, the ladies that work there, they're, yeah. they're outstanding, they're all helpful, uh, and I think that really sold it for me. Uh, when you're going through something new like that, it's in, and you're taking on a big project, uh, they make it so easy for you, uh, and they've done so many uh, projects in the past, they've got the licenses with the MOD, uh, and it just makes it uh, a little bit easier for you as a project lead. Uh, and I think that's why I jumped at it. And it was an ideal opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Now I find them really, I mean, I still find, as you said, you know, their, their customer service and their engagement within, especially within the military team. I mean, I've engaged with their retail side as well, because I've been a project leader a little bit longer, but um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, the fact that I can e ring or email um, my point of contact within the team, who's obviously specifically date deals with my project any time of the week and to be like, I need help with this or, yeah, I'm sending a watch back or, you know, a question has been asked. It's just like I said, it's so easy. Um, it's great, isn't it really? But also the other side of it is I find that for their, their price point as well, not that we talk about price point that much in terms of like investment, but like 
the level that you know they effectively build to far in surpasses actually what we pay for them is what oh, I would definitely, say. Yeah, definitely yeah okay. uh, like I say and the, the thing is as well there's no hard sell yeah they're not trying to force it down your neck to sell watches mm -hmm. sell watches as a project lead you hit your cap and then they're more happy to keep that project running and more people will trickle in but again at that price point like you say you are going to get uh purchases because yeah. they're outstanding watches yeah and was there a particular reason why you went for the broadsword because i know for me there was a reason why i went for the solo so for me it was at the time one of the the cheaper models effectively and the reason i went for a cheaper model was because i wanted it accessible across my trade group because obviously you know we're asking yeah. people to spend money that's over a thousand pounds that's always a consideration um but i wanted it to be accessible but also for me, the dial layout on the solo has got a lot of real estate for you to mess around with design cues to incorporate onto that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, I'll say I own your project watch. You know, I yeah. count myself in, uh, among the members of, of that project. And I think that's something that there's a similarity with the broadsword and the solo there is the fact that it's accessible, but also the dial lends itself very well for a special project. Yeah, definitely. And I think when I rang up in, you know, in the middle of the year, uh, so what we're looking at now, probably two years ago now, uh, just coming up to the summer, I suppose, uh, the broadsword had only just been released, not been out that long. So it was going to be one of the first special project watches on a broadsword. Uh, it was either that or the solo. Yeah. Uh, and solo had been done before. So again, speaking to the ladies, the best advice they could give me was, you know, go with something new. Uh, and there wasn't any other uh, broadsword special projects out there. I think there's a couple now. I think the yeah, Marines yeah. have got one. I think I've seen maybe a few more, but there's not many. No. Um, and I like that. And that was nice as well. And again, the price point was ideal. The unit's a small unit. I knew I wasn't going to sell lots of them or, you know, uh, get, you know, massive orders. So the price point had to be the right uh, area yeah. um, because I wanted some of the younger lads as well that maybe didn't earn as much money as me to be able to afford one as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really enjoy, I really like that, that um, the way the project kind of, like I said, I mean, you'd already had it pretty much finalised by the time I met you, but the moment I saw it, I was like, yes, I'm going to add it to my box of watches, as we all know, guys, I'm a fiend for Brummont Military Special Projects, but the other side of it for me is it's a nicer size as well, like as we've alluded in all of the episodes, I have small wrists. The board sword fits my wrist perfectly, and some would say that it's the ideal size because it's forty mil. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it is a good size, like you say, and good weight. Um, it's a nice watch you can wear every day, and you wouldn't real realize it's there. It's not, it's not overpowering you, yeah, right? Yeah. How, how, what's the, the, where's the furthest one gone, as it were? You know, oh, do you know what? I haven't actually thought about that. Um, I don't know. I know a couple have gone abroad. Uh, some of the veterans have, have bought them because it is open to people that yeah. served in the unit. Um, I think probably a Cyprus actually probably is the furthest. There's a guy over there that's bought one. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to have a look at that. Yeah. You, you've got me now. Yeah, I'm not I, too I, sure. I thought it was an interesting <laughs> question. Um, but the other side of it is, Mark, um, and as we all know, guys, with you know the, the way that the pandemic is currently, unfortunately, for those who are affiliated to Bramont, either with being a project leader or project owner, uh, unfortunately, we haven't had the luxury of doing any of the really cool and funky uh, Bramont events. But hopefully, uh, in future, when all of this kind of calms down, we'll be able to, you know, get on the Bramont party bus, as it were. Oh, definitely, and, uh, especially now they've opened a new facility. You know, it'd be yeah. really nice to go and visit. I know we were supposed to go and visit the old place last year, and COVID yeah. closed that down on us. So uh, 
yeah, me and you getting a day out to the new facility would be nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they'll have, they'll do something. Um, I've just remembered actually, we have got one of our listeners out in Dubai that's wearing one of the project oh, yes. watches. I forgot about him, yeah, so I'll apologise to him later. Um, so I suppose that might be the furthest one. Uh, but yeah, getting back on the, getting out and just seeing watch shops, getting yeah. out to get up to London, and you know, just getting around and seeing some people and meeting them again would be really good. But again, that's everyone's world at the minute. So. Yeah. Um, so that's Bremont done to death. I believe so we're going to talk about your latest project uh, your latest not project but your latest procurement shall we say um and with sterling yeah so um from obviously we all know sterling like i said is, is a um a, a recent company shall we say you know like i said they've only had a they've had a, what two or three drops now yeah, I think they probably had, uh, I think two drops uh, and they released this year. I think it was a lot of work last year. Um, a new company uh, doing really well so far. Two young lads, Tom and Sam, um, both up north. One's a, a serving soldier still. Um, yeah, released, I think probably probably in January uh, as their first drop and, and instantly sold out. So it did really, really well. Um and that was the black brunt watch that they sold. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two models, like I said, I've got the steel, but that was the black one on the first launch. Uh, and it's done really well. Um, I've spoken to uh, Tom quite a few times, uh, giving him a bit of advice here and there, not that I'm a, you know, a, a watchmaker by any means. Uh, and, and they seem to be uh, you know, coasting along really, really well. Um, the steel was launched, I think, uh, at the end of last month, yeah. uh, a small drop, and again they sold out pretty quick within uh, you know a few hours. And so they're doing really well, um, and so far so good. I think really speaking to Tom uh, recently. Yeah. So from from what I mean, I, I've also spoken to to Tom a couple of times, um, and you know I'm not there beat around the bush I, I i hope to get him on the podcast for him to talk about his own company because yeah. at the end of the day you know i think what we're blessed with in the military watch community is the fact that we can basically reach out to um you know owners and proprietors <clears throat> of these companies whether they're old companies like vertex you know if we go back to the, the archives of the zulu time podcast you know vertex were the first people to come on to the podcast and be like you know a company interview and he said right up to now when we've got sterling and hopefully getting them on who are basically the newest people on the scene um and i think that's really good that we can just i can effectively you know make that contact and you know talk to them about their watches and talk to them about their companies um so that's my aspiration but from what i've seen of their watches I think for the price point, what you're getting is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So it's a really good little uh, bundle. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah. I mean, I got my watch on the first drop. And uh, even though it was a steel one, I was managed to get ahead of the game. And uh, speaking to, to Tom, I got older one. He'll probably tell me off for saying that. Um, but yeah, a really good package. You know, a nice little Peli case um, or Peli case style uh, box. You can, you're going to get an extra NATO in there, a good a rubber strap that's on the watch. It's a nice little package. The whole uh, deal is is definitely worth it at that price price yeah. point. Absolutely, yeah. And they've done their they've done their research as well. Like what I've noticed is the fact that they've gone to, um, you know, the ubiquitous uh, NH35. You know, and it's a solid movement. You know, for what you're paying and what you're getting out of that movement, you know, that thing can run for years. You know, and yeah. from my conversation with with tom and what i kind of gleaned from his point of view was the idea of like i said making a watch at his price point that he wants to operate in but make it so it will be able to take 
effectively um, the daily rigors of what that person wants to go through. Um, and obviously being in the military, his you know core ethos and the people he's looking to sell to are the people who listen to this podcast, so obviously military, law enforcement, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think they've done their research as well in terms of their R&D, what movements they want to do, the kind of aspects and features that they want on the watch. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah really yeah i mean it's a it's a tried and tested movement isn't it it's mm-hmm. proven and there's a you know there's a lot of companies that use it uh across the world and some of them are charging twice as much as what sterling mm-hmm. are charging now fair enough they're they're a new company they're in infancy and they probably have priced it exactly where it should be on a new launch um i've had a lot of questions loads of people have asked me on instagram you know what's it like compared to my sanguine merlin that i've got yeah. or against the resco that, that you've yeah, got yeah. Um, and it's hard to say, really. You can't really compare them. Okay. Um, I think it's unfair to because yeah. Sangin and uh, Resco have been going a lot longer. Yeah. You know, they've done their R&D. They know what works, what doesn't work, mm-hmm. what's good for them and what's not. Um, they've probably had some watches back themselves. that They went, actually, I'm not going to go with that movement anymore. And we'll try something different. Um, Sterling's new. Um, you can't compare them. But what I can say is from the watch itself, when I received it, you know, it's, it's a really well-built watch. Mm-hmm. Um, nice and heavy, uh, well machined uh, itself. Uh, a really good bezel click on it. Um, and a nice weight, and, and like I said, just a really well finished off watch uh, for what you want as a first uh, first model. Good loom. So all the ticks are in all the boxes, and a really good uh, good watch at that price point. Like you said, going back to that. Yeah, I think that was a good point actually that you made. The fact obviously because Sterling are so new, they are effectively what's you know you can compare them. You know, it's not to Sangin now, but like no. you said, Sangin when yeah, they started definitely. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other side of it is, is I, I, I can see why people have messaged you and said, well, how does it compare to, like you said, the Sangin Neptune, the uh, Aresco Patriot, um, even a K2 Sangin, and maybe even an Elliot Brown, because yeah, they're yeah. all floating around mm-hmm. the same kind of uh, price points, or admittedly, you know, bracket is probably a better way to describe it, but also their intended use or the people who are intended to use them are of a similar ilk. And obviously looking at the design queue, you can kind of see where people have drawn similarities just by looking at them. You know, so when I saw photos of them and the photos that you sent me of the watch after it arrived, after it sat with you for a few days on your wrist, it was very much, a, oh, I can see where that design cues come from. I can see why they've chosen the loom and the way they've done it, you know, the crown placements and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can yeah. do with a watch. So. Um, I think they've picked some really good key points. And I think, as you as you just said, as R&D goes on and as mm-hmm. things move, they'll change certain bits that in themselves they're learning. They're already picking up points. When I was talking to them the other day about uh, what to check when they all come in on an order, for instance, before they ship them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so even they're growing in a company in the sense of knowledge. So yeah. it's really good for them. And I'm sure they'll just go on for, for, for better successes. Of course. And uh, ho- hopefully, you know, like I said, they, they continue to, to develop and, uh, and bring mm-hmm. that around. In terms of their engagement with me, they've, they've always engaged with me quite positively. And I'm assuming now yourself as an owner, their customer service is, is very good. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I think it's good because... Um, one of the owners is military, you know, and obviously yeah. we've got that mutual connection. But what I also like the fact is the fact that you are talking to the owner every time you message that page. Yeah, and it goes definitely. back to the other companies that we both enjoy and we both mm-hmm. have engaged with is the fact that we can email that company and know that it's basically the owner every time who comes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and, and you know, I've I've had lots of people coming up to me on Instagram. I probably know eight or nine people now that own them and no one's come back to me saying they've got major issues bar one which is not 
unfair to say. Um, you know, they had a couple of issues. Uh, they, I told them, you know, go straight back to Tom at, uh, at Sterling. They did, and within 24 hours, I think they had a brand new watch. So, you know, even on the customer service like that side, if you've got a small company starting like that, that's really looking after you in that sense, then you can't go far wrong. Um, and, and the issue wasn't that the watch was uh, damaged. I think it was just the dial was misaligned slightly. Yeah. So, you know, it was out of their hands, you know, and it just it wouldn't be picked up on a, a quick uh, check. It, only if you're sat there really staring at it, you're going to notice this difference. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, I think that customer service um was pretty good on that. Uh, yeah. Speaking to the owner that got the watch back, he chuffed a bit. Yeah. So I don't think there's a major issue uh, no. now. Uh, and I think if they can carry on that customer service in the future, they'll do really well. Yeah. And like you said, as, as well, like, you know, that's one watch, guys, yeah. in, in, across all of their releases that they've done so far. They dealt with it exactly how they should have done. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the owner's happy. You know, it's no different. I said, you know, I alluded to earlier, I had a problem with that Elliot Brown Holton automatic, mm -hmm. you know, exactly the same, guys, you know watch watches sometimes just fall through a qc process and it's just one of those things but you know we don't hate on the brand just because of one watch yeah so, definitely you know and i think like you said if they continue the way that they're going then obviously they've they, they've um they've set the precedent for themselves yeah and, and they've got some research and development to do i suppose if i was going to give many sort of negative uh points and, and i don't think this is unfair either you know when i first got the watch uh, I did look at it and I was thinking, right, what, what can I pull apart? Because you always want to sit there and go, well, what, what is wrong? And I really couldn't find much. And these aren't really about the watch per se, but, you know, the box itself, even though I've said it's a brilliant little box, it's a Pelly case, it might be a little bit too big if you're just throwing it in your day sack and going off away for, for a couple of weeks on an exercise if you're in the military. Um, but you could fit two or three watches in there. So you could see that as a plus or a negative i don't know it depends on how much kit you want to carry around it is a robust pelly case so it's not going to break and your watch is safe in there though it should be on your wrist mm -hmm. um but if you are one of them watch pests that carries two or three watches if you're going away then uh, it's ideal yeah. um, and i think the only other real thing which uh, i know the guys that, that sterling are looking into is the watch pins you know i tried snapping one out and i couldn't but they are fairly bendy and i was a little bit worried initially if you've got a two-piece strap that if one yeah. did pop you'd lose your watch, but actually I haven't been able to pop one out and I have given it a good, uh, good pull on a NATO. So, you know, it probably is a good pin. Maybe it's just that uh, perception that I had when I first picked up on it. Uh, but other than that so far, yeah, really, really good. Yeah. yeah really chuffed with it. Really. One of, one of my friends is another colleague, a colleague of mine I've known for years. He, he um, followed the drop very closely. Yeah. In fact, the moment, the moment Sterling um, even advertised, he sent me a message straight away because he, obviously I'm that go-to watch pass that turns out for quite a lot of people and he's like what do you think it is you know I'm gonna you know do you think it's worth it for the money and all that kind of stuff and he gave me some feedback um which was interesting and actually it did make uh, you know I did just tell him you know it's all very well giving me the feedback but I'm you know I don't own the watch it doesn't affect me I'm not the one who's having an effect on the future watches and he also sent it into Sterling but his only gripe was the straps in terms of um he didn't like the rubber strap and that's yeah, what it was, yeah. you know, yeah. but my, my retort to that is, well, at the end of the day, he's a watch pest as well. We change our straps so often yeah, yeah. on these yeah. watches. So yeah. I, I never, I don't know about you, but now I never look at a watch in terms of what it comes on in terms of bracelet strap or, you know, types of strap and all that kind of stuff, because I always look at it and say, well, actually the money that the, you know, the R&D and, and, and the bit that's important is the watch head itself. 
I know what I'm like. You know, you can see, um, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. all my yeah, strap yeah. collection. Yeah, I, I change them out all the time. So for me, yeah. you know, if, if someone turns around to me and goes, actually, the only negative I've got is the strap to me, then I don't really care because I know that I would just keep the strap in the box, you know, in case I ever move the watch on as a complete, you know, box of papers mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've got the, the sterling at the minute on their NATO and it's the black NATO with the mm -hmm. engraving on the actual keeper, yeah. which is really quite nice having the name on the strap as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's laser etched in there. So, you know, it does come with that spare strap. I didn't have it on the rubber strap mm -hmm. for very long. I'm not really a big fan of rubber yeah. straps. Uh, I prefer fabric one. Uh, and I think there's enough in there for everyone with yeah. a rubber strap and a NATO. Uh, what more do you need? Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it's got everything. So uh, I think yeah. quite a nice little package, like we said, for especially at that price point. Yeah. Normally you wouldn't get uh, an extra strap. What is the price point again? Is it sub 300? Yeah, you? definitely. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So you can't complain yeah. at all. You know. Um, so yeah. Um, obviously, guys, we've obviously given uh, Sterling quite a big shout out there. And, you know, uh, Mark's giving his opinions, which is quite cool. And what's really cool is obviously the fact that I've seen the photos and then obviously to actually hear someone's opinion on it, you know. So hopefully um, I'll have a more rounded view of it, you know, when it comes to me getting hold of one as well, you know, be it for the podcast or maybe even for my own collection. Um, but all the details for Sterling will be put into the show notes. Um, so they have got a, a, a website yeah. and an Instagram. Yeah, I think the easiest way to find them is probably on Instagram at Sterling Timepieces. And there's a link in there for their website. Um, I know talking to the guys up there the other day that there's a lot of people after watches and with limited drops of 100 or so at a time. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not on the mailing list, which you can find on the, the website, you're not going to know when the drops are. So the easiest way is obviously just get on that mailing list make sure you're tracking it if you want one, uh, but you will find them on Instagram. Uh, and like I said, there is a website there and it gives you all the details and photos. So it's quite a nice little website, mm. lots of uh, work put into it. Um, so yeah, it's good. Happy days. Um, Mark, so obviously that's obviously your most recent. Yeah. That you've yeah. Got. Uh, it's now coming down to that point of the podcast or the episode, sorry, sorry, where your wife would probably not be happy, but I've always got to ask the question is what, what are the future watches that you plan to buy or you are looking to buy if God. allowed or can, you know, get around? Yeah. With? Yeah. There's too many, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I suppose if you want to limit it down to a few, I've, I've got to get a Vertex M100 at some point. Um, mm -hmm. You know what's been going on this year. I've had a couple of issues where I've had the money ready. Um, one thing and another's come along, the car broke or whatever, yeah. uh, and the money's just gone again. So yeah, by the summer, I'm sure I'll, I'll be at that position of picking up a Vertex. I've borrowed yours enough times now. Uh, so if everyone sees yeah. the photos on my page, they're not mine, there is. I've planted um, the seed early, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, um, I've engaged with Don a few times up at uh, Vertex. What an amazing man he is. Uh, really, really nice guy. And I'm sure at some stage, uh, me and you will get up to London and meet him. And I'm sure I'll walk away with a watch. Uh, so that'll be a Vertex at some point, M100. Um, Don, if you're listening, save me one, please, uh, in steel. <laughs> um, and I think then I think probably another Sangin, maybe a Kinetic. Um, I really missed out on the last two drops with the coloured dials. Yeah. And I wish I had picked one up. Uh, probably have to engage with Jake and see if I can pick one up maybe sometime this year. Not that uh, anyone gets ahead of the game. It's fighting at that website. Uh, yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's picking one up. Uh, yeah. And that's just the, uh, the, the thrill of it, I suppose, as well. And the fun in the games of trying to buy a watch that you can't get your hands on. But I'm not going to go to... Ebay, eBay and buy one off some no. uh, some bloke trying to sell it for five times the amount. Uh, I'm not into that game. I'll wait my time if I have to. Yeah. I suppose they're the next couple. Uh, 
some yeah. solid choices as well. Yeah. So as you, yeah, as you alluded to, I, I have both the vertexes and they're gleaming. Um, but I also keep looking back at the uh, the K2 uh, kinetic, the part, uh, the pilot dial anyway. I, yeah. like, I like that one. Um, but the one that surprised me that I really liked was actually, the, like you said, the blue dial. Yeah. I think that was really cool. Yeah. The, blue, the blue, I believe it was a matte case. And it was just like, that was just mm-hmm. something slightly different. Yeah. Um, it was on a, on a brown leather strap, wasn't it? Yeah. It looked really nice, really set off well. Yeah, I should have tried to fight for one of them. But uh, yeah, it's hard to pick them up, isn't it? So uh, that's just the fun and games of getting a Sangin. But uh, and it just shows how well they're doing. Yeah, uh, it's a really good company. And again, same as what we just said, customer service, all the other stuff that uh, Jake at Sangin's doing is uh, is outstanding. Yeah, it's just a shame we can't get over here uh, anytime <laughs> soon. Maybe one day. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. So for those who don't follow you, Mark, yes. where can we find you? Yeah, like I said, uh, I'm just on Instagram at uh, Jana underscore watches. If anyone doesn't know what a Jana is, I'm from a, a place called Plymouth down in the southwest. And uh, if you're from Plymouth, you're a Jana. So uh, I just use that as my handle. And I think that was uh, after a while of trying to pick a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, go follow him, guys. He's got some good good watches, good photography. And obviously, he's clearly... Um, a good friend of mine as well so that's always fun um in terms of the episode um unless you've got anything else that you want to add um it's going to go into the standard closing note section no i think there's nothing else we'll naturally move into that and as you're the guest on this episode as standard tradition dictates what uh, closing notes have you got um i've got two actually both books because you you did remind me about closing notes so i was thinking uh you know what should i use um I read a fair bit and uh, recently I've just been reading uh, Nims Day Purge's book, which uh, most of you probably know out there, Nims. Uh, he's a Vermont man as well, so uh, why not? Uh, brilliant book, actually, well-written and, and easy to read. Um, you know, just tells his story of, you know, how he, he joined the military in the Gurkhas and then went into the Special Forces, into the SBS, and then decided, right, I'm going to jump ship not worry about my pension and um go and do the most craziest thing you can think of and go and climb the top 14 peaks over 8,000 meters uh, as quick as possible um and really it's just that story of him breaking the record which was just under eight years before uh down into six months and six days i think it was yes yeah, a disgusting yeah, unbelievable it's the disgusting feat yeah. of human in, like endurance yeah. isn't it and and you know I wouldn't say it was risky. It was probably only risky in the sense that um, he really struggled at the start. People just didn't give him the credibility. You know, he'd not been heard of. He wasn't a mountaineer. Um, he didn't have the money. He was trying to raise it through sponsorship constantly from the start. And even when he set off, he didn't even have the money to fund it uh, all the way through. And I think he did it in three three uh, phases. Yeah. Um, I think it was just really that when you read it and you look and you think, yeah, he's a squaddy, he's a bit mental, he'll go and do it. But he, he definitely had the skills. He'd done a few thousand uh, metre peaks before, 8,000 metre peaks before. He'd done Everest before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just that persistence to succeed. And I think that was probably that special forces ethos that's drilled into his head uh, and his, his professionalism and his knowledge of climbing. And, you know, you can see why he succeeded and smashed the, the total above everyone else. Uh, just from his mental courage of getting through and doing it. So, yeah, really good book, really easy read, I said, and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it, actually. Nearly finished. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, I need to pick the book up. Um, yeah. Unlike you, I've actually been quite fortunate to meet him twice. Uh, yeah. Met him at both times at a Bromont event. 
And it's funny how you mentioned how he climbed Everest before he'd done the uh, the chal- uh, Project Possible. Uh, but the way he recounts that story is even funnier in person. But mm-hmm. effectively, he just says that he took leave and decided to go climb a hill. And yeah. it's, it's not a hill. That is the tallest mountain in the world. But the way he recounts it, it may yeah. as well have been, you know, just a, basically a tab out on Salisbury Plain, which yeah. is ridiculous. No, he tells um, you that in the book and yeah. you're like, what? He just yeah. decided to go and leave? I mean, he's from Nepal, so fair enough. I suppose he went home, but... Yeah, I'll just go and climb a mountain today. I'll just pick Everest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the man's a, a machine, I'd say. And, and recently, as you know, he's just done the, the K2 yeah. uh, winter climb first team to ever successfully do it. Him and his uh, team of uh, Nepalese uh, climbers. And again, another record. He must have something like 10 world records now. Yeah, absolutely smashing it. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and doing really well. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then I think the second one is a total different type of book. Um, I recently picked up the Vintage Rolex Field Manual by Colin uh, A. White. Really, really good book of uh, illustration of vintage Rolexes. Um, really good articles, well written and laid out book. Uh, some outstanding pictures, but also just all the full facts uh, and models and specs of each uh, vintage Rolex throughout the years. Um, and it goes right the way back. Uh, I think I've showed you the book recently. Um, yeah, re- really, really good book. Uh, and uh, worth a read definitely worth it. if you can get your hands on one get an order of a copy yeah yeah now i'm going to put the the link for that book into the show notes um anyway but yeah it's important just i want to add just on top of that is it's not the one that i've got that no, i've already it's shared one, guys yeah. it's a yeah. different one um but it's just as informative and i obviously you showed it to me um but the the way it goes about highlighting the models and you know the specifications are slightly different to the one that i've got yeah the layout yeah, um, yeah. which is interesting so he like he he from again we've had a quick flip through but it, it seems to have a lot more about you know like movements the, the kind of dials and even though it's all presented very well in the uh the burlington arcade vintage rolex one the way it's laid out is i think is a little bit more geared to like someone who wants to take one apart kind yeah of thing. yeah fair you know, enough. I think, yeah maybe I think yeah that's quite cool yeah, yeah um but yeah no it looks like a really cool book and i think i'm gonna have to try and pick one up at some yeah point. and that's my closing notes yeah really really good two books actually cool happy there so i've got uh two closing notes absolutely uh one's loosely watch related um but one of them's just gear related so um i took delivery of a london bridge trading day sack um a few of you out there and listeners um, have had London Bridge trading gear for a few years now. So I decided to jump on that bandwagon, mainly because there was a uh, February sale, which uh, basically in that wrote off my postage and any import tax, which was the main thing to UK. Um, so, yeah, go check them out. They're good, good um, day sacks for what they're worth. Obviously, I'm going to use mine for work, but they've got different styles, you know, and, and different sizes as well. For You know, so you can use it effectively as a EDC pack or you know a, you know going to work in, in a in non-military environment as well so so check those out um, and then the other one is a company called Goofy Goat Gifts so they are on Instagram uh, they do a lot of handmade jewellery and accessories but what's quite interesting um, and the bit I want to highlight guys is that they do the standard watch cufflinks accessories for men which is quite cool but when you go on their website unlike other people who do do cufflinks with watch movements on um, you can actually buy um, your cufflinks by the type of watch which is quite interesting and as we're all military watch collectors if you so chose you can actually wear 
a dirty dozen watch movement on your wrist without actually having it in a watch. So, so cool. yeah, it's quite cool. cool yeah. In fact, you can have two of them and actually they're <laughs> still cheaper than buying a real dirty dozen that works. So effectively, as you can, you know, are aware, they effectively go and buy broken watches that are unrepairable um, and they use the movements to turn into cufflinks. So yeah, go check them out. Uh, links will be in the show notes um, as standard. But that's all I've got for you as well. So until the next episode, which will be out at the end of the month, it's probably going to be a few more weeks because I'm due to go away for a week. Um, so it'll probably be the very end of, of March. So hopefully the, the next episode will release just before the uh, charity patch drop. Um, if not, it will be a slightly longer episode and it will come out after the charity patch drop. Um, but obviously I'll highlight uh, how successful or unsuccessful that patch drop goes um, but the idea will be to get the episode out before so until then guys I will catch you in the next episode